Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll, <laughs> we'll wait for the children to settle. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise, O you servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, glory above the heavens. Who is like our Lord God who dwells on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth. He raises the poor out of the dust, lifts the needy out of the ash heap, that he may seat him with princes, with the princes of his people. He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we just want to drink this in. Jesus, you said, if anyone thirsts, let them come to you and drink. And out of his belly will flow. So Lord, here we are again in the presence, in your presence, coming to drink. Lord, bless us with your spirit. Bless us with a fresh anointing, with a fresh touch. As we continue to worship you. Father, whether it be continued song, whether it be with, through the Psalms, whether it be through your word. Father, in Jesus' name, be glorified. Be glorified in this place. We come to worship you, the mighty God. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you. We adore you. Lord, we are trying to draw near to you. Would you draw near to us that we may be changed, that we may be enlightened, that we may be more like you. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, in this moment, there are people here, there are people listening and watching electronically. But Lord, we're all bound, many of us, because we have your spirit living inside of us. So Lord, please bless us, bless me that your truth may be spoken. And Father, that you would grant grace to the hearers. Father, that, that all would have ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive your truth. That when we leave, we will definitely be different than when we came. Father, let us experience your presence, not just so that we could be happy and joyful. No, Lord, truly, so that we may become more like you. So bless us again, Lord, with your presence and be glorified and magnified in all that's done and said. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. My brothers and sisters, you may be seated. Um, hallelujah. It's kind of different. Um, you know, <clears throat> last week we talked about um, being clothed in Christ and having the garments 
Um, and I'm just going to go through a couple of scriptures real quick with you, and then we'll continue to go forward. In Revelation, we read, as it related to the church at Laodicea, chapter 3, verse 16, So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. Now, let me pause here for a moment. My brothers and sisters, you don't have to be rich in this country as in the United States they define rich. I mean, there are many in this room, I think everybody in this room could say that, well, you know, I'm not an athlete, I'm not a celebrity, I don't have those kind of riches. But compared to major populations around the globe, most of us that live average are rich. But let's just think of it this way. When this is speaking to this, this is speaking definitively to those who have, quote-unquote, what they need or a major portion of what they want, that you're not wanting for anything. Does that... Now, please forgive me if that's just too rudimentary or too generic. I want everybody to understand that because it's not... This isn't to just a rich person as defined in our current culture. This is to everybody who has... I am rich, I've become wealthy, and have need of nothing. That's the bottom line. I have need of nothing. See, because we become so... In the church, when we feel a need, we go to God. We, we pray to Jesus. We get holy in that moment. Isn't that, isn't that something, the way that works? That's, that's incredibly human, isn't it? It's incredibly human. Because you become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked... I counsel you to buy for me gold refined in fire that you may be rich and, what, and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may, may not be revealed. Brothers and sisters, remember, we are clothed now with the righteousness of Christ in Christ Jesus. Amen? We are the righteousness of God in Christ. And it says in Revelation 16, 15, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed are he who watches and keeps his garments lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Brothers and sisters, I don't want to re-preach you know, the lesson from last week or the message from last week, but as long as we have put on Christ, there is no need to be ashamed. He has taken care of the guilt and shame. Now, if we go ahead and turn and walk in sin, then there's, that's a different story. There's, there's something else. And there's also, just because, I, I have to repeat this, and just because we may put on our Sunday best when we're out in public or uh, when we, on, on Sundays and Wednesdays or whatever the case may be, you can fool Pastor Tony, but you can't fool God. Amen. So, my brothers and sisters, it's very important that we understand that it's just not a behavior modification thing. This is something that you have truly put on Christ. You are living your life according to his principles and precepts. You understand the, the life of Christ and what he now has uh, given you that life. He's placed that in you, amen, by his spirit, Amen. So we're going to go to Peter today, and I, I got to be honest with you, I had several notes and was going on, and, and just I, I made the mistake of reading an article, and it just led to another article, and I just got so fired up, and I just, I shouldn't have done that. So anyway, we're going to be in Second Peter for a major portion of the rest of the service. But just get the, my brothers and sisters, behold, I'm coming as a thief. If you hang on to that. And it says to keep your garments. Keep your garments because he's coming as a thief. Keep your garments. What does that mean he's coming as a thief? Well, we know all through the scripture that is, is used as an example. You know, a thief is successful because you don't know he's coming. If you knew the thief was coming, you'd be sitting there with your 
whatever, and waiting on him. He's coming as a thief. He's coming in a time that you don't really aren't expecting. That's what he's trying to say. But those of us who are Christians, if we're living in Christ and we keep our garments, that's, that's significant of living in Christ. Amen? Okay. So in Peter, 2 Peter, beginning in chapter 3, verse 1. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. I want to pause there for a minute. Notice I've, I've highlighted that. There's this, he's, he's, remember, he's not writing this to the unchurched. He's writing this to the church. And he's saying, I stir up your pure minds. He need, you need to be stirred up, right? You need to be stirred up, and you need to be stirred up, watch, in your pure minds. You need to be stirred up and remember this. Amen? Are, are you with me? That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking, uh, I'm sorry, walking according to their own lusts. Scoffers will come in the last days. Reason, part of the reason why they're scoffers is because they're walking according to their own lusts. So instead of, what are the scoffers? The mockers, those who would uh, pervert the word of God, those who would you know, say things that you know, are a little bit more appealing to the flesh. So they're going to scoff and mock those of us who stand and stick to the traditions. See, I want to explain something here real quick, and hopefully you don't take it. Lord, help me. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that are being said and done, and, and these articles is really just kind of strangled me a little bit, just really got me stirred up, is because they're saying the, the young people in this country are moving away from the church, and, and in fact, they say that even some of the people who have been involved in traditional churches are walking away. A lot of times it's just the cares of this life, it's just they're so busy and so on and so forth, and, and all of those things God talks to. He, he speaks to those things, amen? The cares of this life, being busy and all this other stuff. Jesus should be first in, in all, amen? We know that. But the fact of the matter is, my brothers and sisters, part of the reason, and in, in, in these articles that are written by quote-unquote people who are supposed to know what the Word of God says, there's always this humanistic point of view. And what I mean by that is there's always this, well, there's a human reason why, you know, these people are this way, these people are walking away. And in one article, I mean, it was so... It was so maddening because what they were basically saying, well, it is the, it's, uh, the fault of certain leaders, which I agree with, but then they're trying to answer it with humanism. They're trying to answer it with psychology, pop culture, and things of that nature. When in fact, it, it, that's why the church is in the trouble that it's in. Because we've moved away from so many of the truths and traditions that have been part of you know, the spirit. This, let's just, this. We've moved away from this. So when it speaks in this scripture in Peter, where it's talking about in the last days, there's going to be scoffers and mockers. But, but look, I want to again call your attention that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. What's he talking about? He's talking about the Old Testament. And the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. And he's saying the things that we have written, the things that we've told you, the things that we've shared are witness to you. You see? So what is he saying? He's saying that the word of God, I'm going to say in our language, the word of God, these scoffers and mockers, they're going to be scoffing and mocking uh, about the word of God. They're going to uh, pervert the word of God. Why? Because it's according to their own lusts. It's according to what they understand as it relates to the body, humanism. 
I'm going to continue to read, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this, they will will, for this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. Let me pause here. Do you understand what the, what the, the apostle is saying? They're forgetting that God spoke this into existence. They're forgetting how powerful God is. They're forgetting the attributes of God. They're forgetting basically how powerful God is. But the heavens and the earth, which now are preserved by the same word, God, by his own word, are, is what's preserving everything. The, the reason why it hasn't all ended yet is because not God's will for it to end. They're preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. God is going to destroy this thing with fire. See, we're talking about now how hot it is. Have you know? Oh, it's hot. It's global warming, climate change, and all that. Well, this is not nothing compared to what it's going to be when God says, okay, that's it. I'm purifying and we're purging. See, see, my brothers and sisters, you see what I'm saying right now? That's become unpopular over the course of the last 20 or so years. And that's why we find that there is this falling away. People think that if you say this, you're going to uh, keep people out. Uh-uh. When you say these things and then you have people aware of what the Word of God says and they're walking accordingly, then people are attracted to the gospel. Don't all get excited. Verse 8, but beloved, do not forget this one thing that the Lord, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand, day is, a thousand years as one day to the Lord. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do you see what he's saying? Okay, so now people are mocking. Yeah, you guys have been talking about this and you talk about this godly stuff and the word of God says this, says that. Well, how come it hasn't happened yet? Okay, so what's, what's, you know, what's happening? And no, no matter what, there are those folks that, and even some who say that they believe in God, would always mock or criticize certain truths and, you know, can't believe everything that it says in this Bible. Oh, well, if God was a God of love, why would he be? Because he's purging. He is the God of love. But do you see what it says here? It says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. For God so loved the world that he gave, God so loved who? No, the chosen few. No, it says the world. And God, listen, God's will is that everyone will be saved. Right? He's not willing that any should perish. What does that mean? That God really would want everyone to be saved. Isn't that? Okay? So, so then, why isn't everyone saved? Because he's not overriding your will. Amen? He's not, because you have a choice. I wish I didn't. Uh, come on. But remember, love is not love unless you have a choice. The essence of God is love. God chose to give himself up for me and for you. He chose that. He showed us what love looked like. God didn't have to make us lower than the angels, but he did. Why? So that he could demonstrate his love toward us, toward a being that's even lower. But that being he gave such love and attention, such devotion to, that he gave himself up for those that he made a little lower than the angels. He loved you. He loved me. And therefore he took a body, suffered and died. Yes. 
so that we'd understand his love and that we would love him back and then we would love each other. Why, God, why did you give me free will? Because I love you. And I just want you to love me. Now abideth these, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these, hallelujah, hallelujah. Can you understand that? I mean, those of us who have raised children, and we still have children around us, and those of us who are fortunate enough to have grandchildren still around us. I mean, when, when I, I've said this before, and, and some of you have been here, and I, I thank you for visiting. But, but some of you, you know, when I get done with the service, I'm going to see my two youngest grandchildren. And one of them or both of them are going to run up to me and practically tackle me. I mean, I, you can't give me a million dollars in trade for that. I've got one of my middle granddaughters who after this service will be waiting for me to drive to the house to get something to eat. You can't give me a million dollars and trade for that. That's relational. That's love. That's the way your father feels about you. Your father in heaven feels that way about you. Hallelujah. And he knew that you would make those mistakes that you've made this week. Yes. He knew you would, but he loves you anyway. And he brought you here so that you can hear how much he loves you, you. and what he's provided for you, that you no longer have to walk in those same sins. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. No one should perish. Look at verse 10 with me. But the day of the Lord, there it is again, will come as a thief in the night. Why is he telling us that? He wants us to be ready. In which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will dissolve, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening to the coming of the day of God? because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. So it doesn't matter how many people don't believe this. It's going to happen. And it doesn't matter how many people think that they can go ahead and spend billions of dollars to go ahead and live on another planet. It's not going to matter. Now you're laughing, but it's happening. Think about how ridiculous that is. But they would be the same ones that would deny that this would happen because God is going to say, no, they're going to say something silly like man is causing the globe to burn up. But God. But God. And see, my brothers and sisters, again, I want to, I want to say this again. See, I'm, I'm saying this stuff to you, and these are the kind of things that we've stopped talking about in churches. We've stopped saying these things about God because we want to present God in, in, in just that one. He's merciful, loving, kind. He's gracious. Yeah, but he's mighty. He's powerful. He's righteous. He's holy. He's just. Hallelujah. But we forget about all of these things. And so what happens is we're, we're, we're actually taking away so much of God's power. We're, we're making God look more like one of us or like our grandfather who is the kind one who spoils us like pop up. 
like pop up. My grandkids know I can't say no. So when their parents say no, who do they come to? <laughs> right? So, so, so we've turned God into that. So, uh, uh, so Tony, you just said he loves me so much. He does. He loves you so much that he's doing everything he can do to keep you from burning. He's doing everything that he can do. Everything. He's already died on that cross. He's already given you a way to get back into fellowship with him so that you and him can be yoked together and walk this life and you will no longer be duped by the enemy. Absolutely. Amen. I got an amen from the front row. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now look, I'm going to go back in the same letter that Peter wrote, okay? I'm going back in, 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 I'm going all the way back to chapter 1 now. We were in 3. Let's go back to 1. In chapter 1, verse 12. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. Though you know and are established in the present truth, yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent to what? stir you up by reminding you. See, my brothers and sisters, these are the things that, watch, Peter is speaking to the church and he's saying, you're walking in the truth. He said, I'm not telling you that you're doing everything all wrong, but I need to remind you. And see, don't forget now, he reminded them of what we just talked about in verse 3, but he's already told them some things. And those things, uh, this whole letter, this whole Bible is important, but now I, I, I know this, this is the way I think, okay? So just bear with me. I'm, I'm going backwards. <laughs> Bear with me. But, but, but the, I, I want you to get the tone and tenor of the letter. He's saying, I'm, I'm stirring you up. I'm trying to stir you up. I'm stirring you up to remind you of these things. Because I want to tell you something. The church, not this one, <laughs> but there are parts of the church in there that we've got complacent. As long as we do feel like, you know, things are going halfway well. The kids aren't acting too much a fool. They're just, you know, normal kids, or, you know, the job is going okay, uh, I'm getting the bills paid, we got the roof over our head, we got the, you know, we're not doing too bad, you know, everything's okay. But see, no, 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 we're supposed to be stirred up. Why? Because we know something, you see. We know that this thing is coming to an end pretty quick. And though our kids may not be, uh, listen, they might not be openly acting a fool, but you don't know what they're looking at on those electronic devices. I'm not trying to accuse anybody in this room. I'm not trying to accuse anybody watching. But I'm going to tell you something. The stats are proving it out. There are things happening with our young people that, that are, are unbelievable to me. The suicides and all of these things that are happening. Yeah, that's because man has got everything all right. See, we took God out of the culture and that's what we're left with. My brothers and sisters, that's because the church got complacent. And so God, we allowed God to be totally taken out of the culture. Not only that, we allowed, you know, you can't even mention Jesus, but you can mention a lot of other stuff. But why? We got complacent. See, so look, Peter's saying to them back then, 2,000 years ago, that's the first century. Many of those people were there when Jesus was walking on the earth. But he's already saying, you need to be stirred up. You need to be stirred up. You need to be stirred up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So look, I'm going to go even further back. So look, look what he says. For this reason, I'm not neglect to remind you always of these things. Okay, what things? I'm going to go back just a little bit. These things, really, it's the whole letter. But I'm going to go back in um, 
uh, chapter 1, but ver beginning in verse 2. Some will be up on the board, some of it won't. Just follow me, please. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. See, remember what he said in chapter 3. Remember what he said. Okay, in light of all of these things, you know that these things are, are going to happen. And in light of all these things, shouldn't you be living godly? How would you live? So now he's saying you have everything you need to live godly, right? Through the knowledge of him who called, you, uh, called us by glory and, uh, and virtue, but which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature... That's an awesome thing. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Did you hear that? See, 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 this is an awesome thing. We've been given, we've been partakers of this divine nature. The nature that was handed down to us by our older brother Adam, it, it doesn't, we have a way to uh, supersede that. We have a way to, to take power over that. That was given to us by the second Adam, Jesus. So no longer do we need to be ruled in our everyday life according to what thus saith the flesh. Because now we know what thus saith the Lord and the Holy Spirit has given us the power to understand what thus saith the Lord and the power to perform what thus saith the Lord. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So look at verse 5 with me. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters, do you see, there's, you see what the apostle is saying? Look, I need to stir you up, and I need to remind you of some things. And you see what he's saying? Jesus has already provided you with, this, with these things that you need to live godly and holy. Even gone as far as saying that now inside of you, you have a divine nature. Right? Come on. But, but look what he says. So now you have to follow through with something. Again, we can't be complacent. We can't be lazy. Let me ask you all something. Are you still about in the same place? Now, be honest with yourself. And don't say anything out loud, obviously. Are you further along in your walk with God than you were last year at this time? Are you further along in your walk with God than you were three years ago? Because according to this, what it's saying is, look, he's given us what we need, and we should be adding to our spiritual lives. Right? We should not be complacent. We, we, we have a responsibility, don't we? Come on, I know so many people that have been out of this church, so many. If they're in other churches, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But if they're not, my brothers and sisters, you know, what are we doing? What are we doing? And if our young people are more concerned with uh, conforming, at least not looking like an oddball as it relates to the, the culture, than they are as it relates to church culture, to looking, no, I'm going to say it this way, as they are as looking like Jesus, we have, an, uh, we have a problem. We, we have a problem. My brothers and sisters, our children, I think our children sometimes, uh, we're not giving them enough credit. I think that they can be tougher than we think. Now, not all, but generally, I think that we can... Uh, count on Christ. 
If, we're, if we have the family altar, if we're, if, we're, if we're living the gospel as well as sharing the gospel with our young people, I mean, there, I think there's many of them that would be strong enough to be able to handle it. But then I look, and just as soon as that comes out of my mouth, I'm reminded there are some adults that can't. Unfortunately. We're persuaded by the folks that we hang with or, you know, the culture in general. Right? So our kids don't have a chance. I, I, I'm all about the kids, I got to tell you. Yeah, I, I shepherd adults and I'm so happy that many of you adults have, have stayed faithful, have been faithful. But... Let's say the Lord doesn't come back, which I think he can come back at any moment. And, and by the way, remember where we were. He's saying he comes like a thief, so you better be expecting him. He wants us to live in expectation of him coming back and taking us out of here, amen? He wants us to live that way. So, so let me ask you, if the Lord were to split the sky right now, would you go? Don't, don't answer it. Would you go? See, remember, he's coming back for a church, his church, without spot or blemish. He's coming back for his folks that are robed in pure white garments. So is that you? Now, remember, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So if me saying that makes you mad, then, then maybe you need to... Go to the cross. Ask Jesus to change you. Give your life to Jesus. If it didn't make you mad and it made you think, that's conviction. That's Holy Spirit. And if it just made you all the more confident that, yep, I'm going right through that ceiling, Pastor Tony. You can have my shoes because I'm moving so fast the shoes will stick to the floor. You're proud. You need to... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no. But seriously though, listen, this is not meant for any of us to be just walking in um, sheer terror that I wonder if I did this right. I wonder if I did that right. No, we should be walking in the fear of the Lord, but in the fear of the Lord where we're walking in awe of Him. And because we are in awe of Him, when He asks us to do something, we do it. Why? Because He is God. Amen. Amen? So, so look, and it's not about finding the loophole because so much in our culture, in, in our society is, listen, making a way to do what we want. Come on, in any given situation, you know what I'm saying. To justify how we feel. Well, and it's been taught to our children for a, a couple of generations at least now. I'll, I'll tell you this. They started talking that very prevalently when I was in high school. Amen. Oh, don't make that face. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that long, long ago. No, but it was. Obviously, it was a long time ago. Obviously, it was. We're talking about decades ago where it really started. It actually started, really started picking up steam in the 60s. So I'm not here to talk about, you know, history or culture, the, 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 you know. But the bottom line is, 
when we do those things, when we start removing those things and we start taking away the traditional values that have been handed down to us in the church by the scriptures and we start going ahead and modifying certain things so that it can be more popular in the culture, you're, you're losing. You're losing. And see, this is why the apostles and this is why the scripture is saying, I need to remind you, I need to stir you up. If you're, if you're listening today, if you're here, my brothers and sisters, I don't believe in accidents. If you're here, if you're listening, it's because God wants you to hear this. I'm hearing it. I'm, I'm ministering to myself. We need to stay stirred up. Why? Because we have people... You know what? Say the Lord doesn't come back, which is what I started to say a moment ago. If the Lord doesn't come back and He just calls me home when I'm however old He, he needs me to be when He calls me home, what's happening to the next generation? You know, I have... Um, believe it or not, I have a few friends. <laughs> I have some pastor friends, and some of them have aged churches where the young people aren't coming and the congregation is getting older and the numbers are dwindling because people are dying off. They're aging out. The only churches that are actually growing a little bit would be the mega churches. And I have concerns about that. So my, my brothers and sisters, look it. Lest we treat... He's getting more attention than I am right now. I'm, I'm so jealous. Uh, I'm just teasing. Keep helping me preach, MJ. <laughs> Maybe more people will show up to see MJ if we get to <laughs> So we get away from these traditions, and then what happens? We start watering down, and then we get complacent, and we start, we, listen, we start looking more like the culture, and there's no hearts and minds that are being changed. And then, listen, and there's no power in that. I've been all about, my brothers and sisters, for so many years I try and preach, the Holy Spirit should be working among us with signs, wonders, and miracles. Period. It should. It should have never stopped. But is it commonplace in the churches today? No, it's not. Why? Because they're not following the gospel. They've become complacent. So very rare would you see, I mean, talking about major healings. And don't talk to me, well, Tony, you know, if it's about that, then you would go into the, uh, all the hospitals and you lay your hands on all the sick. No, it's that, that's not how God prescribed it. God didn't say to, to me or to anybody who has that virtue of healing to go into a hospital and heal everybody. In fact, God says, if there's any sick among you, bring them to the church. Amen. You got to know it. Before you come at me, you better know what the scripture says. What does the scripture say? Did Jesus heal everybody, everybody that he ever came in contact with? When he, no. He healed a lot of them. He did. When the apostles all started to die out, were all the people that they ever come in contact with, where they, was every one of them healed? No record of that. Don't you think if that were the case? Now, there was record of there were mighty signs and wonders done by them, man. Yes. There, there's no question about it. And not only them, not only the apostles. So people say, well, it died with the apostles. It didn't die with the apostles. Disciples. Yes. In fact, Ananias, which you, we know is just a disciple. I mean, th these men, it, it, in Mark, it's, it's covered. These signs shall follow those who believe. What do we believe? Because if we believe this, and we adhere to this, my brothers and sisters, then we would have those signs, wonders, and miracles among us. And I'm going to say it again. As time goes on, we will need those because some of our own 
loved ones will die in line waiting for treatment. It's already happening. It's already happening. Get in line. Wait your turn. Come on. My brothers and sisters, we're, we're looking right down the gun barrel right now. In the not-too-distant future, you will not have the necessities of life unless you jump, jump through government hoops. It's going to happen. I, you, me, we, we cannot jump through all of those hoops that they're going to place before us because it's going to involve denying who we are in Christ. I can't do it. You can't do it. So we're going to have to come together and, and love on one another. We're going to have to depend on each other and depend on God. So I'm here to stir you up by way of remembrance that he's God. He's God. The Democrats aren't God. The Republicans aren't God. The progressives aren't God. The conservatives aren't God. There's one God. His name is Jesus. And listen... And he's already provided for you and for me. He's already done it. Do you believe? That's the stipulation. Do you believe? And you say, well, this is what Jesus says. If you believe, if you believe, right? You love me, you'll do what I ask you to do. See, my brothers and sisters, here we are thousands of years, a couple of thousand years later. They were saying that in the first century. Let me remind you, in, in uh, 2 Timothy, Paul writing to a young pastor, Timothy. Here's what he says. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. You see that in verse 1? He's telling young pastor, I need, I need to remind you. Remember, when I laid my hands on you, this gift of the Holy Spirit that came on you, there must have been something that happened. Because, Come on. Was it just a gift of preaching and teaching? Mm, it was probably an outward sign. There was something different that happened. It was something very notable. Because he's saying, listen, I'm reminding you what happened when I laid my hands on you. There was some kind of manifestation. When I laid my hands on you, there was some kind of manifestation. I'm reminding you of that. Stir you up. Stir that gift that's in you. Stir you up. Stir you up. Everybody in here, we've been studying Corinthians, 1 Corinthians now for months. Everybody in here, if you're in Christ Jesus, you are a part of his body. And the, and the Bible tells us that we are members. We are individual members, but we're members in particular. God has given each of us a responsibility, a job, and a gift, and an ability to do it. Amen? Amen? Amen. So there's something that God has called you, called me to do, and, we, and he's equipped us to do it. So in the, uh, uh, you need to be stirred up, some of you. No doubt you're here. No doubt you're watching. You need to be stirred up. And remember, it's about him. It's about his gifting. It's about what he's done. He's done something inside of you that's supernatural, that can't be explained by a human being. Yes. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. See, we need to have this stirred up. Because why? Because, listen, when we start listening to all of that garbage that's going on out there, listen, when we start squelching about the pow how powerful and awesome God really is, when we start worrying about we can't talk like that in the culture and in the society. My brothers and sisters, 
we're taking away from our own gifts. We're, t we're, we're, we're actually squelching ourselves. We're actually limiting our power. Amen. See, we could come to church and we could, you know, you know put money in the box. Well, we could even show up to feed the homeless and we could do some of these things. That's, that's great. It's awesome. But what are we doing? What, how are we really walking it out? Those things are great things. They're, they're, they're great things. But what has God called you to? What has God called you to? You, do you need to be stirred up? Have you gotten too comfortable and too relaxed? Or, listen, are you reading enough and praying enough to really understand what God has called you to? Because, my brothers and sisters, when we, when we neglect that, when, when we just you know, get a little bit comfortable, and we're, we're losing our power. There's no such thing as static. So, so we're losing our power. God, and then we become afraid. We've become afraid to say things, like I said, from the pulpit, in our, in our surroundings, at our jobs. We get afraid to say things around certain family members because, you know, it's going to tick them off or it's going to start an argument or blah, blah, blah. I'm not telling you to go out there and argue with everybody in your family. I'm not telling you to get in the middle of a party and just stand up on the chair and say, ah, turn or burn. I'm not saying that. Not at all. But God has placed something in you and he has people in your, listen, in your atmosphere that need to know. But when you stop living it out and you start being afraid, you start to take away that power. There's no more, you're just kind of hanging out. And then you get afraid. You got power. You have power. And even though someone is going to come up against you, he guarantees, he guarantees... No weapon formed against you will prosper. Yeah, but look at the apostles, Tony. They, they died martyrs' deaths. Does that mean that they weren't victorious? <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Look at some of the, the folks, some of the martyrs, and they're being martyred all over the world right now. Look at the, the martyrs. They don't sound, that doesn't sound like very victorious. Oh, guarantee you when they get to heaven and they stand before Jesus they know that they're more than conquerors in Christ guaranteed guaranteed no weapon formed against you will prosper see we have that messed up where we think that that means that I'm going to see all of my enemies drop by the wayside when I'm standing right here no Saint Stephen the first recorded martyr other than Jesus he's praying for them to be forgiven as he's being stoned to death. What kind of reception? He didn't even have to wait to get to heaven to see Jesus. Do you remember that? He was, look at he was so on fire. He had the gift of God stirred in him so much that as he's being stoned to death, he looks up and he sees Jesus. The breath hasn't even left his body yet. How do I know that? Smart. He's speaking. I see the Lord. He's still speaking, being stoned, in the middle of being executed. He looks up and he sees Jesus. So you tell me, he wasn't a conqueror? He was more than, he got to deliver the message that needed to be delivered. Now everyone who heard that message is now responsible for something, aren't they? 
I'll guarantee you that there's more than one somebody in that congregation, in those people that were in earshot of what he was doing, saw his boldness, saw his courage. I'll guarantee you that somebody believed because Stephen stood there. So he was more than a conqueror. He was a victorious warrior. He was a soldier for the cross, and he preached and did what he had to do, and then he went home to glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, but we think, well, we're not prosperous if we're not prosperous down here. No, no. He was prosperous. He spoke the word of God and guaranteed he got results. Hallelujah. He may not have seen who got saved out of that crowd, but I'll guarantee you after he saw him in heaven. You may not see all of the victories, but you'll know when you get to heaven. You'll know when you get to heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Last little bit. Now remember, be alert. Stay stirred. I'm reminding you. Be watchful. Be ready. Luke 21, this is Jesus speaking. Verse 34. Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. And that day come upon you unexpectedly. Remember? Remember our subject matter? See, don't let the cares of this life. See, I, I, I'm going to stand here, and I, and I don't know everybody's lives. I'm not reading everybody's mail. Look, are there a bunch of people in this room that are being uh, weighed down with carousing and drunkenness? I hope not. Maybe somebody watching. Maybe you're carousing, you're partying, and you, you know, you're, you're taking care of business in that way. You think that you're having fun, and you're partying, and you're doing all of those things and, and all of that. Maybe not. But see, just because you're not doing that, that doesn't mean that you don't need to be stirred up. Because I, gotta, I would venture to say that more people in the church suffer from the cares of this life that distract them from God and the things that we should be doing in the name of Jesus. Would, would you agree? Amen. All right. Cares of this life and that day will come unexpectedly for it, is, it, is, it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. There is a lot of things that are fixing to come to pass. We described them to you in Peter. There's a lot of things. The wrath of God is going to be poured out on this earth. And this isn't one of those turn or burn messages. My hope is because most of you are here now, you already have a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not born again, my hope is that you will be with as quickly as possible. But my hope is this also. Because you're here, you must care something about what this is saying. And you're not in the middle of all of this. And you just need, maybe you're in here, you haven't been around. Maybe you just need a little bit of stirring. Maybe you needed God to just stir you up just a little bit. Maybe you're watching. You hadn't watched in a long time. You just need God to stir you a little bit. My brothers and my sisters... And those of you who are not my brothers and sisters yet, man, let him stir you up. Be stirred. And understand that he loves you. That's why you're hearing this. He loves you. He doesn't want you to miss out on all that he's provided for you. Amen? Amen. So receive. Well, how, how do I do that? Understand where you are. 
If you've, I don't care how many times you've been to an altar and prayed a prayer. I don't care how many times you've been in the closet. If you know in your, amen, and if you know in yourself right now that you've let a lot of distractions, whether it be the cares of this life, maybe you are struggling with uh, a dependency on alcohol or drugs or you just can't put the bottle down, you just can't live your life without smoking pot or whatever it is, everybody's doing it. Oh, that, that makes it all right then. No, my brothers and sisters, no. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's whatever it is that you know that these things that are unpleasing to God and you know that these are the things that are distracting you and they're, listen, and they're taking the power away from you. They're snatched. God's not taking it away from you. You're giving it up. Amen. Do you, can, can you remember this? That the enemy of your soul has no power over you unless you give it to him. He has, he is, and it's, and it's, it's got to be so frustrating, but at the same time, so rewarding that so many of us can be led astray that quick through the lust of our own flesh. You need to be stirred up and remember, he can split the sky in a minute. Maybe we need to come to the altar and, and no matter, again, how many times we've prayed and we're still struggling with these things, maybe this is the time. Give it to God. Don't, come, don't pray the prayer like this. Jesus, I want you in my life. Jesus, forgive me and, and come into my life. And No, Jesus, forgive me. I give my life to you. I want you to take my life. I don't want you to modify my life. I want you to take my life. I don't want you to fix what's broken because I'm broken. I'm broken. And I need you to fix me. I need you to take my life. Amen? I submit my life to you. Have you ever prayed that? Have you ever given your life? Or did it just say, hey, forgive me my sins and everything's good. I'm, go I'm, I'm golden. I'm going to heaven. No. No, I'm, I'm, I don't know if you know this. Again, I'm here to stir you up. You, you can't be comfortable and complacent. God has not given you the spirit of fear. Well, I'm not afraid of nothing. Then why don't you witness among those people that God has put in your atmosphere? Why are you afraid to say certain things in front of certain people? Why do you conform to certain things in the culture just because you don't want to be viewed as different? Why do you go ahead and let your kids do certain things because you're afraid that they don't want, you know, you don't want your kids to be oddballs and you certainly don't want to have, be at odds with your kids? I'm not afraid. No, you're afraid of your own kids. You're afraid of your own children. And I don't mean that ugly. Please hear my heart. Am I going to? I, I, man, I just must have tore something open. I, I just must have. Listen, we can't be afraid of our own children. Dad, you have to be the priest of your home. And being the priest doesn't mean that you're the boss. Being the priest means you set the example and you go to God on behalf of your family. Amen? You're setting the example of holiness. You're setting the example and you conduct a family altar and you take care and you make sure that those kids know what holiness looks like. Amen. You make sure that your children know what, listen, what a relationship with God looks like. You show them someone who is, listen, not just some tough guy, but someone, listen, someone who is tender. 
someone who loves their mother like she's supposed to be loved. Come on. Uh-oh. Do, do, do we suddenly get off subject? No. Remember, God has not given us the spirit of fear. I can't be afraid to love. I'm afraid that if I show love to someone that they're going to reject me. And I'm, listen, I'm not talking about relationships, husband and wife relationships. I'm not talking about just, you know, uh, relationships between boyfriend and girlfriend. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in general, how we relate to other people. Could it be husband and wife? Absolutely. I'm afraid, you know, to, to show my wife love, maybe she'll reject me. Or I'm afraid to show my husband the respect and the love that the Bible tells me to because, you know, he might get all you know, full of himself and, you know, no. No, no, no. Don't be afraid to love. Perfect love casts out fear. What, what does that mean? Is that just words? No. There's no fear in love, love right? Because fear involves torment. That's what the scripture says. You have to know this. You may suffer for loving somebody. Hmm, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Christ loved me and suffered for me. Didn't he? So when you do that, you're more like Christ. Stay faithful in it. Christianity is not for wimps. Stay faithful in that. Endure. Endure. And reap the reward. What's the reward? Well, I have a home where God is the center. We have an altar for God in our home. Yeah, and, and we're not all perfect, but when push comes to shove, we know whom we believe. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, divine power. Hallelujah. Stand with me, please. Lord, I don't know what everyone in this room or everyone watching, I don't know exactly what everyone's going through, but you do. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that your word would not return void. Lord, I pray that you would move on hearts and minds. Lord, I pray that somehow through your word that we would be more ready for your return when we leave here than when we came in. Lord, I pray that somehow, some way, that even though some may be here just because they were asked to come or they're here against their will, I pray, Lord God, that those people, those very people, your word would pierce their hearts. Lord, that they would become born again. If there's any under the sound of my voice who has not given you their lives, I pray that before this day is over, they will somewhere, somehow, ask you to take their lives, to be God in their lives. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, in Jesus' name, take everything that was said, everything that was done here, and let it be all according to your purpose, according to your plan. Lord, fill us with a fresh touch. Hallelujah. 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 God, you are God. You are God.
You are God. We worship you, Lord. You are God. You are Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, as we leave, go with us. Give us wisdom. Father, bless our children. Put a hedge of protection around our children. Lord, let them not receive the lie. Lord, let them hear your truth and let them be guarded and protected. Father, in Jesus' name, let no hurt or harm come to our children. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 I can't, church, I'm, I'm, if you, if you know that the Lord has pricked your heart about something, I'm going to ask you, please, take care of it. Do not leave here without taking care of it. Let's pray together. Let's, let's go to Him. Let, I'm telling you, if the Lord has pricked your heart about something, please do not leave here. Let's, let's pray. Let's, hallelujah. I'm, I'm nobody. But there are other people here that want to gather with you, touch, and agree. That's scriptural. And we're going to do it by the scripture. And we want to know that that's available to you. If you're watching, man, go to a local church where you know they're preaching the truth. If you have a pastor, if you already have a pastor, please go to your pastor. Pray. Touch and agree. Call out to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.